This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, May 12th. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, NFL media analyst, John Osher, Jaguars.com senior writer, Tebow time, question mark. It's been polarizing the last couple days. We'll get to that. A rookie minicamp preview, changes in the scouting and personnel department, and the schedule release tonight at 8 o'clock. Bucky, here we are, and we were looking forward to the schedule release this week, but <laughs> all this Tim Tebow stuff happened. Yeah, Tebow mania has taken over. And I just wonder if this will be, look, this is a flash and plan story where it's, it's temporary. It's because Tebow's been out for so long, he didn't make his way back to the league. And then after we go a few weeks, it dies down. Or if this is going to be what it was back in the day. Um, because if it was what it, if, if it's like it was back in the day where it was the craze and like, it felt like the cult following behind them, then it can be a little annoying and I won't say a distraction, more of a nuisance than an annoyance. So hopefully it's not that. Hopefully it's one of those things where he comes, he makes the position change, he goes and competes on the field, and then we see how it turns out. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be nearly as polarizing because he won't be playing quarterback. And to me, so much of the polarizing part was the debate over whether or not he was good. Remember when he won in Denver – in the playoffs, all of a sudden there was this debate and you had this argument, is he good? Is he not good? There were people who, who thought he was a terrible quarterback, but then you had this success that seemed almost you know, strange where you had the debate and you had to convince people that he probably was an NFL quarterback. If you knew people in the NFL who were saying why he probably wasn't going to make it, you had to explain that. And it, and then there was the accompanying argument. And then there was the people who wouldn't not believe. I think if he's a tight end, he'll probably be a reserve tight end. And I just don't know how much legs a story on the reserve tight end. It'll feel to me sort of like it was in baseball, Bucky. He was a story in baseball when he hit a home run. And then it would disappear off ESPN for a couple of weeks. I'm not minimizing the kid. I mean, I, I'm sure all of this is, is a story for somebody. I don't think it'll be national distracting level story if he is a contributing tight end. I mean, do you think do you think I'm going to have a little section where I have Tebow mania, where each and every week we chronicle what Tebow does? And it he gets sound, on the field for it sounds like you just had the idea. We're, you know, it's on the <laughs> list. So we're going to make it, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't I'm, think gonna, so. Have... I, mean, I, I just don't think so. And I'm not discounting the possibility of it, Buck, because it is a phenomenon, but you know, I guess this would worry me, or I shouldn't say worry, that's not the right word, but it would, it, it would interest me more if he was playing quarterback. But I understand why it's a story people nationally, and, and I understand why casual observers get excited about it and get upset about it. But I don't know that this is much more of a story than a fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart trying to make the team. In terms of a football angle, Bucky, I just don't know where this hurts. I don't know where there's any harm to letting him try. I don't think it's a big deal on yeah. that front. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal either. I think people have made it a bigger story than it actually is. I think in the locker room, the people come in and get opportunities in various ways. We've seen basketball players come in who've never played football to get an opportunity. We've seen track stars come and get workouts or a glorified stint on training camp rosters and those things. I think the only reason it's big is because 
Tim Tebow is such a polarizing name. And with it comes all of the either love or outrage when it comes to him. I will say this, though. I, I do wonder, because if, if you bring him in, and let's just say he carves out a role as a reserve, which it is going to be hard because 33, 34 years old, you wonder how much juice he has athletically in his legs. He can be your emergency quarterback if in doubt, because we've seen some teams carry only two quarterbacks. And if you get in a pinch, he can at least take the snap. You know, he can take the snap, hand the ball off, whatever. We won't ask him to throw, but maybe there's some value to him being, I guess, the modern-day Crash Jensen, albeit a little later in his, in his career than we thought it would be. Yeah, you just wonder on that. I feel that. I just think he's going to be spending so much time trying to learn how to play tight end. Yeah, in a pinch, but I don't know that it's going to affect their roster thought on that. I, I, I kind of get that, but I want to ask the ex-player among us, and JP, that's not you. And no, it's not. And it wasn't me. Uh, my theory, Bucky, is that I've gotten questions about how to play in the locker room. And to me, the NFL locker room, the NFL players are a very harsh, a realistic bunch in this sense. If Tebow can play, he'll be accepted. If he If he can't, then he won't. And it's not so much, I think it's pretty gray area that I don't see that being a concern. Now, if he comes in, which I don't think will happen, if he comes in and clearly can't play and they keep him on the team, then it'll be a problem. But that's not going to happen. But how do you think it'll, it'll go in the locker room on that front, Buck, from somebody who's been in that environment? I don't think it'll be that big of a distraction. I think people will, will treat him like you treat some of the guys that come in as street free agents that you just don't know. You have to wait and see and see what he looks like when he plays. I think that's the great thing about football. I mean, the ultimate deciding factor is how he performs on the field. And if he comes in surprises and does all that, you can have guys that root for him. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, I mean, what his, his last game was, was what? Was it? 2012. 1993. <laughs> 2012. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's a lifetime ago. Like, when you think about players playing on average three or four years, that's two cycles. They don't even really remember Tim Tebow. So you can have young guys like, okay, I, I need to go and watch ESPN Classic or something to see who he is, but he's not, he's not going to be that in the locker room. And so he's just going to be another guy in there. And then, look, by all accounts, he's a good guy. There'll be some relationships that he develops. But ultimately, if he's on the team, He'll have to be on the team because he can contribute in some way. It only gets rocky in the or sideways in the locker room if he's on the roster and everyone in the building knows that he can't play. That's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, to your point, Bucky, I think he's more of a name for the public and the fans because of what you said than he is to NFL players. You're exactly right. A lot of these guys, they obviously know who Tim Tebow is. But I don't think they know the details of the story and the polarization stuff the way that uh, the fans do. Well, I saw a tweet the other day. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was, what, eight years old when Tim won the Heisman? I mean, that's a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> think about that, right? And now they could be on the same team together. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier, and subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods and give us that five-star treatment, as always. This weekend, it's Rookie Minicamp. We'll get a look at it Saturday, it sounds like, John. 
you know, we're not going to see a lot of Trevor Lawrence. It feels like, you know, maybe off to the side, he's working his way back after that surgery and the non-throwing shoulder earlier in the off season. What else you want to see, John? I, you know, I'm curious about, you know, the, the burst of ETN, you won't see any hitting. There's no pads or any of that stuff. How big is little, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, let's see that kind of thing. And then I want to see urban on a practice field with Jaguars football players with the whistle around his neck doing that thing. Cause we haven't seen that yet. John. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, JP with uh, Trevor Lawrence, probably being on the side, I'll probably walk over to the side and see Trevor Lawrence. That's what <laughs> right. I'll do, JP. Sure. That's exactly what I'll do. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, and and if he's combing his hair, I'll comment on how beautiful <laughs> his hair is. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, kidding aside, that's still a draw to see this guy in a uniform. Uh, we were talking about it on drive time, which I know Bucky saw on Tuesday morning. There's still something to seeing him and realizing that it's real, that I think will be cool. And if they have media availabilities and if he speaks, that'll still be the story. To a football standpoint, I don't know how much I'm going to get out of it. I do want to see ETN run. I guess I, you know, I guess I want to see Walker Little move a little bit. I know I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Tufele uh, move a little bit, although I don't know how much you're going to see in a spring practice type situation with no pads. So I'm still going to. I'm going to be pretty enamored with Trevor this weekend, JP. I'll be honest with you. Good start. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because obviously you want to see the guys go. I think for me, like Trevor's on the side, so we don't get a chance to see him throw it. But kind of would like to see what urban, uh, urban Meyer practice looks like at the NFL level. Does he have changes to how he conducts practice? Even though it's rookies and it's a smaller crew, as he learns the NFL game and the environment, how much does he change? How similar does it look to the way his practices were at Florida and Ohio State? Is the tempo there? How fast and how hard are they going? As he begins to kind of put his stand, because remember, this is kind of like an orientation for him too. It's his first time being on the field with NFL players. And so he will learn. And I think you'll see some tweaks from the time that they run out in practice this weekend to the time that all the vets and everyone comes back and they start doing OTAs and veteran mini camps. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. Season tickets are briskly going out the door, and very soon, single game tickets will be available once the schedule is solidified. Visit jaguars.com or call 633-2000. You know, there have been some recent changes in the front office, Bucky. A combined 66 years of Jaguars experience is no longer with the organization. Mark Ellens, college scouting director out. Paul Rell, the assistant college scouting director. Andy Dingler, assistant director of player personnel. And Chris Driggers, director of pro personnel. All gone. They survived some changes throughout their time here, Bucky. So why now? It feels like this is a, a time where there is a lot of change in scouting and personnel departments. Why now? You know, it's a com complete reboot on the organization. We've seen that from top to bottom. We've seen a lot of new faces and prominent roles that are now uh, a part of the mix since Coach Meyer's kind of taken over. And so when you have a new head coach who has, uh, I would say, most of the power, if not all the power in the football part of the equation, and then you have a new general manager in Trent Baalke, typically what you do is you want guys who are familiar with your philosophies and the way that you go about doing business. And those guys have done a really good job. They've been around for a long time, but sometimes you just kind of want a fresh perspective as you're moving forward. And it may be through no fault of their own. Sometimes you just want your own quote unquote guys in those roles as you move forward. And I think we saw that 
And some of the writing was on the wall when we saw some of those guys come in uh, right after Trent Baalke got the official title as the general manager. And, you know, he and Coach Meyer will put together the front office the way they see fit. So, look, I'm disappointed with some of the guys because you know them, but I'm not surprised because that's kind of the way business is done in the National Football League. Well, I think it's significant too, JP, that, that the four who were let go, and I'm with Bucky, you know, I, I know all four of them. I've known all four of them for at least 10 years, some of them 20. Um, so I certainly wish them well. I think it's significant that all four were front office guys and therefore a, a higher hand in the end game decision making. Significant, the area scouts, the guys who are on the front lines and doing the research, talking to people at the colleges did not change. I think people can get confused by that sometimes. Well, why wouldn't they just get rid of all the scouts if they're moving into a new direction? Why not make this incredible change? And Bucky, you've done this before. So tell me the difference. Area scouts are often information gatherers and the relationships that they have at the college are very important. I guess elaborate on that somewhat. Yeah, so, you know, it's different. The hierarchy is, is one where at the top of the food chain, you have the decision makers. And decision makers don't necessarily need to be your best scouts. They be, need to be able to take in all the information, kind of swish it around, and make a really good decision based on what is in the best interest of the organization. Uh, your road scouts, your area scouts, they're kind of the lifeblood of the scouting program. Now, some teams operate differently where the scouts are your information gatherers. They get the background and they do all the, the legwork in that regard. But some teams employ what I call real scouts, guys that can see it, guys that can evaluate, guys that can give you a true, honest opinion on how a guy projects to the league. Yes, they do the other stuff, but they evaluate it. And depending upon how you want to comprise your front office, you may have more of those guys because when you get into the think tank part of the pre-draft process, you want guys who can give you a real opinion on whether a guy can play and how he fits for the Jaguars. And so I think knowing Balky uh, pretty well and knowing how he's done business, they want football guys in those seats. They want guys that can really evaluate and guys that have opinions and guys that won't shrink when the room may be against their opinion. Guys that stand up and say, no, I believe in this player. I believe this player can play. I'm always fascinated by this, Bucky. The guys that you just talked about, the guys who don't shrink, are really important because it's easy to shrink in that situation. If you've got a, if you've got a GM who's the boss, and he says, well, I don't like this guy. You know, the guy who will stand up and speak his mind is rare, but incredibly important if that GM will listen to him. Yeah, no, it's really important. You got to be strong. You got to have conviction. I think the number one thing uh, when you talk to young scouts or you're teaching young scouts, you're saying have conviction. Be able to stand on the table for your guy. Don't worry about the way the room is leaning or if it feels a certain way. Just, hey, let's make sure that what you see, what you wrote in your report, you believe and then defend it. And then there's a time when you need to back off on it when it comes decision-making time. But when you're presenting the player, go all in. Do it with conviction. Uh, I think as a young guy, say, say it with your chest. Be bold in uh, the way that you do it. Because, look, man, you don't build a great team with mediocre evaluators and scouts, you have to have guys that are willing to swing for the fences and say, hey, I believe this guy is going to be a really great player, and here's why. I want to see Bucky in a meeting, JP. Yes, I do. Pound the table. <laughs> well, no, I've heard the phrase pound the table. 
Bucky said, "Stand on the table." Stand, the, so say I want to see chest. Bucky in one of these meetings. Say He's up there. <laughs> He's standing on the table. His chest's out. He would win that battle against me. <laughs> right. Because I'm would, under the table. We would all buy in to what Bucky has to say. <laughs> no, it's true. No, I mean, I think that's it. And and I think you have to know, man. You got to have you got to have uh, some courage because when you think about the personalities that are decision makers, you think about Coach Meyer, and you think about Balky. Those guys are not going to blink, and they're big personalities. And if you go up there meekly saying, "Well, you know, um, maybe uh, in a per," they don't want to hear that. Like they're gonna stare you down and be like, "Yeah, next," all the way. So you have to build yourself up enough that when you make that presentation, that you can sway them and you can captivate their attention. Because if not, you're wasting their time. And then you got to be right down the line too. That also helps at the end. In the you end, you, you got to have some doves. You got to be able to chalk up some doves. And so That's here's right. what's funny. Uh, rookie minicamp coming up. This is when you're the most anxious as a scout, right? Because the guy that you put the big rate on, the guy that you stood up on the table and said, hey, my little corner is going to come in here. He's going to light it up. And then you get there and you have to see the one-on-one reps. And privately, what you're doing, JP and John, you're sitting there like, come on, make a play, make a play, make a play, make a play. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just want you just wanted to make a play so you can feel validated. Because the worst thing is when that guy goes a long stretch without making a play, or if he looks like he's out of place, that's the problem. When I was in Indy, um, Bill Polian, who was the president at the time, said the one thing you don't want is to walk off that field and see a couple of guys that you know can't make it. He said sometimes it happens. There are guys that first day that look like they don't belong. And it's relatively rare. But it does happen. You can show that you don't belong that first day. You usually can't make the team that day. But that's a nervous day for the guys who bang the table, no doubt. That's John Osier, Bucky Brooks. I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's the Huddle Up Podcast. We get our final thoughts today on the schedule release due tonight at 8 o'clock on NFL Network. You'll probably see some leaking on Twitter throughout the day. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious what you guys hope for for the Jaguars. I'm, I'm all about the, this prime time game business. I, there hasn't been enough. And well, there's probably a, a good reason why the team hasn't been that good. And uh, who would want to watch that after 8 PM on a national television basis uh, over the last few years, the last Monday night game, the Jaguars had was 2011. The last Sunday night football game. The Jags had was 2008. It's been a long time. They've had that divisional primetime game you know that's been on early in the season before those even go on Fox in the past so I, I'm gonna think there are three primetime games when this thing is announced I'm just guessing a Thursday night divisional game probably the Jets Monday night game and maybe another like West Coast game either the Rams or the Seahawks on a Monday night that would be uh, mine I know that's a long Monday night trip to come back from but you know, hey, got to earn it. That's my thought. Bucky, what, what do you want out of this schedule for the Jags? Oh, uh, you know, I just want them to have an opportunity to, to get on primetime, to show the football world that, look, it's a new time. Coach Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, everyone getting it done. That's what I want to see. All right, first of all, guys, you know what I want. I want 17 1 o'clock home games <laughs> because then I can drive home and be in bed by 9 o'clock. Right. So that's priority A. But, you know, JP, I'd – I don't know that we're going to – I get that everybody's excited about it, but I don't know that this is the year that we're going to see a bunch of primetime games. They were still 1-15. in 15. 
they are still a, a smaller market that has not performed in a long time. So I think you'll see the Thursday night game for sure. I'm hoping for the fans' sake for a primetime home game on Monday night. I don't think there's any way in the world they get a Sunday night game. I think that it, you definitely have to earn your way to that. But I think 2022 is when you're going to start seeing the big jump. And I just wonder about this year. I, I'm hoping, but uh, you know, the realist in me says uh, perhaps not. And John, uh, Tuesday reports by The Athletic that London is in play again, and the Jags would host one of two games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London. Uh, we'll see the, the details of that tonight, it sounds like, and I guess that's going to be until it's not. I mean, we'll, we'll see what the yeah. plans are. But you never know with the COVID and all that stuff going on. My impression is that uh, obviously the Jaguars want to be there. It, it, in terms of they want a presence in London. Shad Khan has made that clear, and I'm assuming that'll be the case until he says it's not. So I know some fans don't love it. I know other fans don't mind it. Uh, the UK fans, who we've got to know a little bit, JP, obviously I, most of them like it. But to me, I think it's just something that it is going to be a fact of life until they say it's not. And I'm assuming that Urban Meyer is on board with it uh, because if it's going on now, then he has to be on board with it. So uh, cheers to you, I guess. Right. I'll, have a, I'll have a pint for the Jags. I guess I guess we all will, maybe, at that point. Uh, that'll do it for the uh, Huddle Up podcast. Bucky Brooks, NFL media analyst, joining us every week. John Osier, Jaguars.com senior writer. And I'm J.P. Shadrick. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to it right now, most likely. But give us that five-star rating and a comment. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.